It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy Holidays from Minky Couture. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. This is our last proper show before Christmas. Um, I am joined today by two very festive guests. Uh, and I'm going to do some puns now. Apologies in advance. So we wish you a Merry Christmas, a Merry Christmas with Mo Walker. Hello, Mo. <laughs> Thanks. I screwed that up already. <laughs> Yesterday, I took my dogs to see Santa and get their photos taken with Santa. So. And we've also got uh, in London, it's once in Royal Davis City. It's Sophie Davis. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for pronouncing my surname as it's intended and not saying Davies, which most English people seem to do. Really? Yeah, I, I think it must be a Welsh thing that it's Davis, but spelt Davies, because lots of English people call me Sophie Davies, as if that's a thing. Yeah, no, I've never... I, I, is there a celebrity like that? I'm not sure. I don't know. Would, would they be, like, without the E, they presume it's Davis? Yeah, lots of people in my school had the same surname as me, pronounced the same way. And then I went to uni in England and everyone was calling me Sophie Davies. And that's continued. Having a name like Donnelly, I can sort of feel your pain. And certainly in the ways I've seen my surname spelled over the years. (laughs) But yeah, so are we all ready for Christmas, guys? Um, As we are only a couple of days away when this podcast goes out. (laughs) Hopefully by the time this goes out. But currently, no. I'm currently not ready. I have a feeling by the time this episode goes out, I will be closer to the goal, but have not completed the goal. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. This week, we are looking at some Christmassy offerings. Uh, We've got the return of I Hate Susie. We have got a uh, Christmas Inside number nine. We have got from Sky Max, a show called The Unofficial Science of Home Alone. Not very Christmassy. uh, The dramatic recreation of the Rebecca Vardy, Colleen Rooney trial. Uh, But first, uh, we'll just do a few plugs Sophie, do you want people to listen to all your back catalogue that you have of your podcast? It's an S-Pod thing, is about 
the S Club 7 TV series, going through it episode by episode with different guests. Um, and I think by the time this episode comes out, there will be a sort of Christmas special episode. Can you which tease is that? Something, something slightly different. It's not the S Club TV series, but it's something related, also involving a pop group uh, starring Ooh. in a film which was written by the same person. Um, so I think that will probably be out by the time this episode of uh, Custard Podcast comes out. Is it Spice World? Maybe. <laughs> Are there any other pop group films that... Um... Yeah, because it was kind of like the precursor. You know, they did this film, it was written by Kim Fuller. They were being managed by Simon Fuller at the time. They then ditched him and he created S Club 7 and the, the TV show was a part of that. So yeah, very connected. And it has the same weird tone as well. Because I was thinking, like, S Club did do, like, other shows. There was, like, I, re- I remember, like, there was, like, a nature show they did. Do yeah, S Club yeah. Go Wild, where it's, like, every episode, it's, like, Tina's gone to China to look for the panda and things like that. It's very bizarre. <laughs> Mo, what about Geek Confidential? Where are we with that? We are hopefully recording a new episode soonish which will probably be about our favorite shows movies pop geek related stuff uh in the near future uh geek confidential can be found on your podcatchers of choice at geek confidential we also have a website a facebook page and a facebook group and we are on twitter for as long as it lasts so check us out there. Mo, have you got a favourite um, geeky film of the year? Is there anything that sort of caught your eye? Robert Pattinson really surprised me as his portrayal as the Bat- as Batman, as, as Bruce Wayne. It's very, very emo. I wasn't sure what I was going to get. I really enjoyed that film. I am a sucker for Batman, so that is an easy lift for me. I would say the most moving geek film i saw this year was black panther 2 wakanda or black panther wakanda forever which was more about grief and processing grief and loss than like being a mm. superhero sophie where can we find your podcast um on twitter it's uh s pod thing or um it's an s pod thing um wherever you get your podcasts really and and the big question is did you ever get to see liar liar crocodile <laughs> no, I'm, I'll wait for it to come on a, a streaming platform, I think. I'm not going to go and sit in the cinema with a load of children. Didn't want to get out to uh, ironically watch it on the big screen. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and we are uh, the Custard TV Podcast. You can find us on all your podcast apps of choice. Uh, we will be releasing en masse a lot of podcasts this December. Uh, not quite sure how many yet. Uh, but you know, stay subscribed and you will get them all uh, in your feed. Uh, we also on the website, thecustardtv.com, have released our uh, best of the year piece, which I believe both of you contributed to. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And we will also have uh, our Christmas TV week up there, the fortnight of the Christmas TV. So you can peruse that. And probably the first week of 2023 will also be covered by the time you hear this. But yeah, let's go into the reviews and we will start with I Hate Susie 2, T-O-O. This is the sequel to the 2020 comedy drama 
starring Billy Piper and written co-written by her as well. And Sophie's just going to quickly talk us through this. So, yeah, as, as you said, the first series aired in 2020, which feels like a lifetime ago now, co-created by Billy Piper and Lucy Preble, who is also a writer on Succession. Billy Piper plays this sort of actress and former child star called Susie Pickles. And she always kind of emphasises in interviews that, you know, it's not really autobiographical, but obviously some things in the series have been sort of inspired by, you know, her own life and being famous from a really young age. Series one revolved around some private, explicit images of Susie with a man who wasn't her husband getting leaked online for everyone to see. And then we followed throughout the series the impact that it had on her marriage, her career, her mental health. Um, So now in series two, She's trying to sort of rehabilitate her image by taking part in a TV show called Dance Crazy Christmas. We sort of get the impression she hasn't had much like coming in in terms of work offers. And, you know, she's had this offer to do this not really Strictly-esque show. It's like more kind of modern dancing than Strictly. But it's that sort of like very popular with the public show. So she's doing it to try and sort of improve her public image and turn things around. And yeah, it opens with her doing this sort of manic dance, really putting her all into it and then immediately being told that she has the lowest audience rating so far, which she's clearly very upset about. She then also finds out that her ex-husband has done this like tell-all interview with the Mail Online. She's going through divorce proceedings with him. There's a sort of custody battle going on. It's all very stressful. She has a new agent as well because things sort of broke down with Naomi at the end of series one. And Naomi has been sort of keeping a distance, but they do reconnect in this first episode and fall back into that pattern of like Naomi being very much like part of her life. And she's like telling her what to text her ex-husband and things like that. And yeah, she gets voted out of the programme first, which is very humiliating. And then at the end of the episode, she actually gets to go back on it because one of the other contestants is dropping out. So she kind of gets a second chance after she's had this humiliation. Her agent convinces her that you should go back on it because this is now your opportunity to show people that you're nice and that they should like you. I watched some of the second episode as well, and it's very much telling her like, you're not coming across very well. You need to be more friendly with the other contestants. Like a lot of that stuff about, you know, public image and how she needs to behave a certain way for people to like her, particularly as a woman and that sort of thing. Her first ex-husband as well is one of the contestants, isn't he, as well? Played by Yeah, that's a strange detail because I don't remember that being in series one. I don't remember hearing that she had like a previous ex-husband. But yeah, that seems slightly reflective of her real life as well. Like she was, you know, married Mm. to this older man when Mm. she was really young and they still seem to be friends. And I didn't recognise, I had to like, I know this actor, but obviously without his like wig and stuff, uh, obviously in the great as Velamentov, I couldn't place Douglas Hodge for the longest time. I mean, Mo, did, did you watch the first series at the time of, of uh, I Hate Susie? And did you enjoy the, the sequel? Yes, I I've watched the first series of uh, I Hate Susie. I, I really enjoyed that a lot. And I've, I've been a fan of Billy Piper for a number of years, in addition to her Doctor Who stuff. You know, she did the Ruby in the Smoke, which I enjoyed many years ago and uh, Secret Diary of a Call Girl, which was really a favorite of mine. Um, I really enjoyed 
this uh, first episode, and I only watched the first. I I do plan on watching the other two episodes. It really does sell what it is on the tin, which is this is an anti-Christmas uh, storyline. It was really easy to reconnect with all the characters, um, in particular uh, uh, Susie's relationship with Naomi. And, you know, even though they had that falling out, how quickly they fell back into the friendship side of things now that they aren't don't have that business kind of relationship. Even though we got very little of Cobb, so I felt like his presence was just looming and that he is just vicious. Now, no, granted, if I was publicly humiliated and the butt of all these kind of internet jokes and probably some memes as well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I'm just saying he is just like really, really vicious. And I'm, I'm sure that that's only going to amp up. I do appreciate that we did get the appearance of uh, Billy Piper's actual sister mm. playing Susie's sister. I, I thought the dance craze segments were really funny especially that clown makeup she was wearing at the beginning Mm. and at several other instances i thought really invoked what susie felt what was sort of like the external manifestation of her internal feelings if that makes Mm -hmm. any sort of sense yeah definitely i would definitely watch this if you're definitely not in a festive holiday mood or even if you are but you want like a little something better with your suite i I definitely recommend this yeah and the song that she's dancing to at the beginning is gypsy woman by crystal waters the lyrics fit in very well don't they the she just stands there dancing for money which i you know i don't know how long they thought about what song are we going to have a dance to at the opening but I think they picked a really good one. And I've actually read a brief interview in the Radio Times with the choreographer, a guy called Paul Roberts, who actually choreographed Billy Piper's first music video for Because We Want To. He also, uh, this this guy, ha- has worked behind the scenes on a lot of these uh, shows, Strictly, Dancing on Ice. So he, I think, has got that experience of knowing the sort of things that go on behind the scenes. You know, when you see these scenes of the group choreography of all the the celebrities, Blake Harrison is in this as well, isn't he? Is one of the celebrities who's lost his dad. They they go into quite a lot of like sub stories as well, don't they? And how these reality shows often use those. Billy Piper, I thought was fantastic. You know, both in the first series and here, what she says and how she feels, she communicates that brilliantly through her facial expressions. The stuff with Cobb, you know, he's a presence throughout those scenes when she's in with her solicitors and he is representing himself and her solicitors going back to a room where he is just on his own demanding these stipulations around custody. I thought they were brilliant. It's great to see Lorraine Ashbourne back as as Susie's mum. The only thing I would say is I, it might just be me, I got a bit sort of confused. You know, they were switching sort of the timelines quite a bit, or I thought they were anyway. It didn't seem to be moving like linearly. Did I pick that up right? Or am I just messing that up in my own head? Yeah, because well, it starts off at the dance show and then it goes back, uh, is it six months? But then, yeah, from that point on, there were some scenes where I wasn't sure that if they were also happening six months yeah. earlier or if we had come back closer to the time of the dance show i'm not really sure one of the things sort of me and luke argued with was the sort of the relationship with cobb he seemed to be 
a bit more sort of pro it than I was. And uh, do you think that this again is based a bit on her relationship with Lawrence Fox? Yeah, I read an interview with her last night where there was a thing in brackets which said, for legal reasons, I'm not allowed to ask her about Lawrence Fox. The relationship <laughs> seems fraught, close brackets or something like that. Um, like, I guess there's nothing specific, is there? Because her ex-husband in the show is not an actor. He's like an mm. academic. So it is very different. But, you know, that inspiration has probably come from that or maybe even other relationships. Yeah, he's certainly, as as you said, like a man scorned now. And, and the one sort of, you know, we hear from him in the background of a video call that she has with her son but no I, I i think they got the combination of the dark and the light with the dance show especially just right and i, I didn't mention at the top it's three hour long episodes definitely recommend especially if you enjoyed the first series which i believe is all on now so you can watch that if you missed that before diving into these three episodes uh what about you sophie yeah i really enjoyed it it made me think of the first episode of the first series because it's got that same kind of stressful feel to it mm. at the start. Like she's doing this crazy dance and then we follow her. It's a sort of one shot thing where she's walking through the backstage area and her agent and this like PR person is sort of buzzing around and they break the news that this interview with her ex has gone online and like she's trying to get out of her costume because it's so uncomfortable. Like it's a very stressful show to watch but I, I love that about it. I love any show that sort of makes me feel what the characters are feeling there's a flashback scene where she has taken like abortion pills at home and that felt very like not something you would usually see on tv you know you could tell this has been created by two women it felt very real and sort of unflinching and yet again Billy Piper just giving a really amazing performance as this character who is quite unlikable but you do really almost sort of root for her and she's very compelling that scene that you talked about as well does balance that light and dark because you know she tries to ring the helpline which is clogged up so she goes on the online chat and they keep asking her about different types of fruit don't they has she passed yeah. anything bigger than and and it's sort of why is it always fruit that made me laugh when she gets that message on the phone that's like it may take us an extremely long time to answer your call <laughs> like it's the normal message you would get but like more <laughs> honest mm. than what it usually is again i think that perfectly sort of balances that light and dark which this does not seem like an inferior sequel i think they've got enough material here and I don't know if it was the same interview, Sophie, that you read, where this is sort of Billy Piper doing Strictly without doing Strictly. She said that. Yeah, um, yeah, she does love dancing, mm. apparently, and hasn't done it for a really long time, like the character, really. Used to do it as a child and then hasn't really done it since. Because she said she'd never do Strictly, but this is allowing her to sort of do it without doing it. So she says she's never been asked, which is odd, but maybe it's just they think her star is a bit too big to... Yeah, uh, to be on it, perhaps. But yeah, this is all going to be on now. I think by the time that you listen to this, it's uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on Sky Atlantic, I believe. Uh, trying to get all my Sky channels right there. Next up, we've got Vardy versus Rooney. This is a dramatization of the uh, defamation trial from earlier this year. 
that was started when uh, Colleen Rooney tweeted in 2019 uh, that Rebecca Vardy had been selling stories about her based on she'd set up an Instagram account and only had Rebecca Vardy as a follower. And then the story that she put on there, which was fake, got uh, leaked to The Sun. Rebecca Vardy denied doing this, said it was her former PR agent, Caroline Watt, who was responsible who also had um, access to her Instagram, so took her to court for defamation. This first episode, it looks like we got two episodes and it looks like it is being split into the two cross-examinations. So this episode focuses on uh, Rebecca Vardy's side, uh, Natalia Tenner, I think you pronounce her name, uh, who was in Game of Thrones and Harry Potter playing Rebecca Vardy. All of what the characters said is based on court transcripts. Uh, There is also footage from like radio interviews, TV interviews, uh, commentary on the case. They make a point of showing that the press are present in what would normally be the jury seat. So almost making that in comparison that this is a sort of trial by press. And we have got Michael Sheen here as barrister David Sherborne who is basically picking up on all of the inconsistencies in Rebecca's story. And the second episode, uh, I believe, will focus on uh, Chanel Cresswell, who is playing Colleen Rooney. And she is being cross-examined by uh, Hugh Tomlinson, who is a media law specialist that uh, Rebecca Vardy hired to be her representation. Uh, Now, I have to go to Mo first on this, um, (laughs) because... We were speculating last week how much this story had travelled across the Atlantic to yourselves. Has it sort of permeated to the US? Were you aware of this? I heard first heard about it on Deadline Hollywood. <laughs> Only reason I even heard about it on Deadline is because they were talking about upcoming Michael Sheen projects. And in, in this, you know, because he is a, an executive producer on so you, this. You weren't aware of the trial or... This was dubbed initially as Wagatha Christie back in 2019 when the, the Colleen Rooney Instagram post came out. So you weren't aware of any of it ahead of the actual dramatization. Yeah. Okay. So w- this v- very much feels like if it was here in the States, it's very much a season of one of the housewife shows or something. I could very yeah. easily see that. I'm not really a part of that world. So I probably would have still missed it, even if there was a an American version. I really could not take this seriously. And I think the point is you as an audience is not supposed to take mm. this, this seriously. Everything from the, the acting, the music, every time you had those exit and entering title card sequences, you got this dramatic music, you know, like law like, and order type music. Yes. And I could not figure it out, but it really feels like it's less about Vardy and Rooney. And to me, it's about, David Sherborne, you know, Michael Sheen is just eating this up. And every time he would be on screen, I just kept thinking about his character from The Good Fight. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. So, he, you know, he had a whole story arc in the third uh, third season of that Mm. show. And that's all I could think about. I I just couldn't think. I just could only think about The Good Fight. I have to admit, like, the dramatization of the different text messages. The WhatsApps. Yeah, and WhatsApp's really hilarious. You know, you got the one with Vardy in 
bathtub and you know she's on her app and and sending messages it was so ridiculous i personally don't necessarily see myself as the audience for this but mm. this is a new le- a new level of cynicism and it's very satirical and i'm just like what's up with this <laughs> <laughs> i mean sophie obviously you know this made quite a lot of press in the uk certainly i remember the messages the wag the christie stuff and then this trial earlier this year uh, but what they've done here you know they've used everything that was said in the courtroom but i think it's like the actor's interpretation of what was said is sort of as mo said is is sort of the comic element of it i don't know if you agree with that yeah i think a lot of fun comes from Michael Sheen as this lawyer reading out all the sort of like gossipy WhatsApp messages and saying things like OMG and there's one bit where he's like quoting like a kiss and tell interview Mm. that Rebecca Vardy once did about Peter Andre which is quite sort of crude and Mm. it's being brought up as evidence yeah it's weird I remember obviously this was like a huge viral moment at the time did you say it was 2019 I can't believe yeah. it was that long ago. Yeah. I feel like it was last pandemic, year. wasn't it? Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson razor. Henson razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com slash holiday. Wow, what a time the, the trial was. The trial was this year. Yeah, it's weird because, yeah, it was this huge moment and now obviously this drama's happened. Weirdly, there's also a play on in London at the moment called <laughs> Vardy versus Rooney. Oh, really? <laughs> Which is this, a similar thing. It's like a verbatim, and as far as I'm aware, the first act is Vardy on the stand, the second act is Rooney on the stand. It feels a little bit like yes. when like when everyone was watching Tiger King and then suddenly all these announcements were coming like, oh, this channel's commissioned a drama about Joe Exotic. This channel's commissioned a competing drama about Joe Exotic. Like these things become really popular and then people commission things about them. Like, and they don't come out until a few years later where people have almost lost interest. I think it was entertaining. I actually watched the second episode as right, well. Right, I was going to ask. Because there was only two. Okay, well, I am interested enough to watch Colleen Rooney's version of events and then it's done. I'm glad they didn't like spin this out into a whole like 10 part series Mm. or something. (laughs) The fact that it's just two parts, it is quite easy to watch Mm -hmm. and it is quite funny. Just the fact that a lot of it is like verbatim and like the all these ridiculous things about the case, like Rebecca Vardy's agent has lost her phone in the sea because that's something that easily could have just happened. Uh, Someone in court says something about like, 
oh, it's in Davy Jones's mm. locker, and Rebecca Vardy goes, who's Davy Jones? Yeah. And presumably that's verbatim because it's apparently the whole thing is. It's a weird combination of things, like Mo said, like because because of the nature of the story, I was expecting this to be a bit more camp like presented in a mm. sort of like almost like a ryan murphy sort of way but it's not it's played like a sort of straight courtroom drama N- not really sure what the vision was for this but as someone like aware of the story and quite interested in it i just watched it and found it quite an easy watch it's not going to be on my tv of the year list no. or anything but it was entertaining enough it's very much done with its tongue in its cheek isn't it i think and you can tell that from like the opening scene is Colleen Rooney doing that Instagram post. And... Yeah, she's handwriting it, isn't she? Mm. <laughs> Which I'm guessing is not what happened. Because I was like, mm. did she post a photo of a handwritten mm. letter? But I don't think she did. I think she no. just posted some text. So I don't know why she's handwriting it in the opening yeah. title. A, yeah, I think that, that sort of sets the tone because when she does the three dot 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 you get almost like as Mo said this dramatic music it's the dot 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 it's Rebecca Vardy I remember that was the big thing in this first episode it's just really odd seeing Michael Sheen recite all these as you say OMG and WT it says what does WTF mean I, I think Natalia Tenner's performance in this first episode she just gets you know this almost sort of very cold person and every so often she'll like say oh, this was about positive body image or something like that, you know, trying to excuse things until she can't think of any more excuses. Yeah, I think isn't there one message that it's like a load of cry laughing emojis and her Mm. defence is like, oh, but I don't know if they're laughing or crying. Yeah, (laughs) Just like trying to twist everything. I think it is just the whole bizarre thing that this was all said in a courtroom because it is taken from those transcripts i mean one of the criticisms i've read is that it would have been better had they sort of gone into the history a little bit more i don't know if you agree mo as you haven't heard you know about this prior to i mean were you aware of who colleen rooney and rebecca vardy were no sadly (laughs) before it all happened i didn't know rebecca vardy like i basically know her from this i knew who colleen rooney was because her and her husband have been around for like a really long time now. But I I didn't know Rebecca Vardy. The only thing I associate her with is this. I knew her because she did um, I'm a Celeb a few years back. Oh, OK. The same year Stanley Johnson was on it. But that, that was my first exposure to her. It's weird. And it is that satirisation of, again, the, the British fascination with celebrity and celebrities who are celebrities for being linked to other more famous people and i think that that's what this is shining a light on i mean i was i was reading an interview with chris atkins who is the writer of this and who has um sort of made quite a few documentaries previously he did one in uh, 2009 called star suckers um which was about fake stories being sold to the news of the world he was um sued i believe for that and not sure but on the other Uh, barrister in this uh, Hugh Tomlinson represented him uh, in a trial against uh, Max Clifford and and later on he also uh, gave evidence at the Levinson inquiry where Sherborne was cross-examining Piers Morgan so he's actually met both of these barristers as well and has experience of being in the courtroom so he's (coughs) tried to bring 
that to this but i i think it is just it's just a bit of a strange one and i i wasn't aware sophie that you that there was a play as well you know i don't i think yeah our appetite, it's weird they've come out at the same time strange i think our appetite for this has died down significantly in the same way that the the tiger king phenomena did but i would still recommend this because of the performances and sort of the interpretation that they they give on these sort of court transcripts because it is just something that i've not really seen before so it's an interesting experiment i would say and i can sort of see why channel four have sort of put it on in this week you know you've got a couple of bits in the schedules amongst all your other christmas specials and it's it's something a bit different you know they next week they're doing uh prince andrew the musical as well so they're putting all <laughs> these sort of strange things on both episodes will be up on all four by the time uh, this goes out. Uh, next up, another anti-Christmas special, perhaps. Um, this is Inside Number Nine's second Christmas special. I thought this would be good to discuss because um, I believe you were both on when we talked about the last series of Inside mm-hmm. Number Nine. Mo, do you want to just set this up a little bit before we discuss it? Again, as, as Matt said, uh, Inside Number 9 kicks off its eight series with a holiday tale set in a supposedly haunted church that doubles as a low-rent Airbnb. But you at least get a complimentary sleeper pew. You know, and just the setup is, "'Twas the night before Christmas and all through the church. The only creature stirring was Dr. J- Jasper Parkway, portrayed by uh, Steve Pemberton, and the church's warden-slash-caretaker, Dick uh, Simon Callow. Parkway has booked the church for some mysterious reason that soon becomes clear, but is desperate to get Dick to just leave him alone. And no sooner that Parkway is able to get rid of Dick, you know, you got these two wayward travelers who arrive in the form of Pierce, Reese uh, Shearsmith, and Posey Shabna Gulati. In my mind, the setup is that they were the, the episodes uh, Joseph and Mary, but <laughs> you know, but fortunately for Parkway, you know, this couple they're not with child, though we do learn a, a tad bit about their backstory, which is kind of a little bit tragic. Personally, I would have loved to have heard a little bit more about their backstory, but. Parkway really at this point just wanting to be left alone to his, his own devices, keeps seeing him pull out these pieces of paper with these drawings and so forth. He's clearly searching for something. And then, you know, you have these sort of what I would consider these sort of cartoon attempts to frighten Pierce and, and Posey, but that fails. And of course, Dick keeps popping back up, and you eventually learn about St. Nicholas and the fact that somewhere in this church are supposedly these bones of St. Nicholas. And so this is what Parkway is really searching for. And like most Inside Number 9 episodes, Parkway does find what he's looking for, but it comes at some sort of terrible cost. And I think the thing with this as well, often you get in Inside Number 9 is that sort of combination of high class, low class and... Pemberton will play one side of it as he does here in Shearsmith the other and I think again this is a take on those ghost stories for Christmas that we often get on BBC Two and and certainly Simon Callow's uh, presence would suggest that 
We've also had previously a Christmas special of this, Sophie, haven't we? With um, It was one with Derek Jacobi. There was a lot more high concept last mm. time. I think this one's a lot more easy to follow. What did you make to it? I liked it, yeah. It feels like classic sort of into number nine, really. Like we've got this um, sort of straight man character having to share space with these more irritating characters who he wants to get rid of. There's a very spooky atmosphere. You definitely couldn't pay me to spend the night in a church. I don't know why this couple have booked it for the night. Like it's They a, call it champing, like, don't they? Camping in a church. <laughs> definitely not. Like There's one bit where the phone rings in the middle of the night and I just went, absolutely not. So, like I would be out of there immediately. We've got this like Christmas tree in the middle of the church. Steve Pemberton's character thinks that he sees someone behind it at some point and then there's a point where a bauble falls off and rolls towards him and then yeah also very in sun number nine we get all these different kind of stories being told and we're kind of wondering which ones are going to be like red herrings which Mm. ones are actually going to be pertinent to the story like steve's character um tells this story about saint nicholas which is quite gruesome Simon Callow tells a ghost story about like him seeing a figure in the church on Christmas Eve. Posey tells Pierce about a time she thinks she saw a premonition of something bad before it happened. Um, and yeah, so you're sort of on edge the whole time thinking like, does this connect to something? Is this just like a story? Is this going to be something that comes back later? Um, yeah, and as with all episodes of Instant Number 9, there's a good twist Yeah, I I just really enjoyed it. A really good one for Christmas. Really sort of well-structured, good character stuff. Not too confusing because I've heard some people talk about recent Inside Number 9 being a bit more like confusing because there's like twist upon twist upon twist Mm. because they've, you know, done so many episodes now they have to kind of keep doing more and more sometimes to, you know, put people off the scent. Um, But yeah, I think this is a nice one for Christmas. Like if you've got any relatives who haven't seen it before, this might be a good introduction. Yeah, I mean, I would say the last series that we had was was sort of a return to form, really. This one, I don't know if I was in the right mood for it or I wasn't concentrated on it as much, but it sort of lost me from time to time. I am going to go back to it and actually watch it on the TV when it's on. I really liked the Rishi Smith and Shobna Galati characters, especially her. And there's that um, sort of tender moment that Mo was alluding to. And I thought that was completely captivating. It sort of lost me a little bit in those long monologue scenes that Steve Pemberton and then Simon Callow have, um, which, you know, are relevant, as you said, Sophie, to the ultimate plot. And these little moments that get played back in the in the denouement at the end and i think it's one that certainly requires a second viewing for myself but you know i did enjoy it and it is as ever very inventive so yeah i recommend but it didn't sort of hit the heights of that that first one for me i i enjoyed that more i think maybe because it had that like retro feel to it and mo you know when we talked about this last time you'd seen sort of a few inside number nines where where does this one stack up of the few that i've seen i i did really enjoy this but i wonder if it is matt a case of simple is better hey can i tell you a secret the secret to getting a great shave without any nicks cuts or irritation isn't three or four blades a soap strip or a swivel head it's just supporting the blade Mm-hmm. yeah it's just supporting the blade don't let it flex or bend 
That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. Maybe you don't need anything with a lot of twists and a lot of buildup, mm. but at the same time, you need those expositions. Because I, I, I can, and I understand, because I did sort of trail off when you did kind of get that uh, exposition about St. Nicholas's origin and everything. But of course, you know, you kind of got the little line peppered in there about the Grinch and pickles and gherkins and so forth to kind of liven it up. But you Mm. need that information in order for everything to come together as a kickoff episode. And as a kickoff episode for a new series, especially during the holidays, I think that this is really good. And, And I think it will play well with audiences who may not be familiar with inside number nine. I wonder how soon we'll get the rest of the series after this one, because it feels like the latest series was on quite recently. I think, was it like early summer, late spring, early summer, I want to yeah, say? Yeah, I wonder if it, the new series will like resume in January or if we'll have a bit more of a, a gap than that. It would have been interesting to look back on when they did the last Christmas special and the gap there, but I think I agree with both of you that this might be one that people who don't normally watch inside number nine will check out because it's on the 22nd of december you know you've got a lot of people who will have uh, finished work by that point as you say it is a good entry point it will be something that i go back to and and give another go to and i think maybe concentrate on a little bit more but yeah that is uh there on uh, the 22nd of december and every episode of inside number nine is on the iplayer if you want to watch a few more of those Right, last thing I picked because I wanted to do something that was proper Christmassy. So this is called The Unofficial Science of Home Alone. James A. Custer and Gus Khan are the two sort of willing victims here. They are taking the roles of Harry and Marv from the film. They are trying out some of the more elaborate stunts that were there that uh, Kevin McAllister used to thwart uh, the burglars. And they are looking at how they could survive them without basically certain death, as we are told that most of these uh, things from the paint cans to the electrocution to the uh, the door handle would what they would actually do to the human body had this actually happened. James Angus are assisted by uh, Dr. Zoe Laughlin, who basically goes through what scientifically could be done to counterbalance uh, these traps and does try and do it from a scientific point of view whilst it also being entertaining. And we've also got uh, Alex Brooker going off to LA and Chicago, uh, meeting Daniel Stern, who played Marv and one of the stuntmen as well, essentially trying to get tips for the other two back in the UK. Let's go to Mo first on this. My family, actually, we watched home the original Home Alone over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. For us. So, so it was sort of fresh in my mind. Now, I'm going to come at it as it's not necessarily something that I would seek out. Mm. However, I can see how this would appeal to a large group or maybe uh, certain, you know, millennials, Gen Xers, even maybe the, the odd Zennial. But... For an hour, I felt that it was like this tribrid show. So you had 
the sort of Mythbusters type element with Gus Khan and James. And so you had that. Then you had Alex Brooker going and doing these interviews, going and seeing these different Home Alone related sites. And then you had at the end, like this sort of weird kind of quasi game show element. You kind of got the mixed in with the kids version of Gogglebox. So if, you know, for <laughs> instance, if Sky wanted their own sort of Gogglebox show, you can certainly get these kids to maybe do review old movies or something. It was a lot going on. I had to break up the setting. So I watched maybe a half hour, <laughs> took a break, came back and watched. It, it just... Yeah, I did that as well. I watched yeah, it, it two halves. Yeah, it, it just it was just weird. I mean, not not but but at the same time, I can see why you would put this on during the Christmas holiday season. It, it, but yeah, overall, I will certainly say for me personally, it, it, it's a pass. A chore is what you're saying, Mo. Hey, I'm I'm just trying to be polite about it. <laughs> Because it's Christmas and you're trying to be a nice guy. Sophie, what about you? I mean, I assume you're a fan of the comics that were involved in this as well. I am, yeah. Do you know what date this this is on? Like, what when's this airing? I think it will have been on the Monday. So is that the 20th? Okay, so not hugely like close to Christmas Day. The 19th, the 19th. <laughs> It's quite fun, as you said, Mo. It's kind of it's kind of like part MythBusters, part gushing tribute to Home Alone. We get these bits where Alex Brooker is like really excitedly interviewing uh, Joe Pesci's uh, stunt double and, and stuff like that, because apparently it's his favorite film of all time. I wouldn't say this is like appointment viewing, but like similar to what Mo said, if you want to watch something with the family, you're all really into Home Alone, or maybe if you enjoy shows like Mythbusters, this will be quite a fun thing to watch over Christmas. Um, but maybe something that you would put on almost like as a background thing, like at a family mm. get together, or maybe you're like all wrapping presents, or I wouldn't say you have to sit yourself down in front of the TV and pay attention to this for a full hour. I would say maybe put it on while you're doing something else and sort of take it in, enjoy, you know, some of the stunts and some of the scientific explanations of things. But um, yeah, an hour to just sit and watch this is um, a bit of a stretch, I felt. Yeah, I mean, it felt a bit like a DVD extra, really, didn't it? That's sort of what I thought of it. I thought you could feel Alex Brooker's love of the film. Those scenes were very endearing. Yeah, um, the guy who plays Marv was very likeable. He seems yeah, like a really nice guy. But it was very much, as you've both alluded to, quite a hodgepodge of ideas. I think the the central conceit of trying these stunts, someone figured out at some point, this isn't enough to sustain a programme, so we'll get Alex Booker going over prized. I don't know if they tried to get Macaulay Culkin for this, but... It can't, it can't be that hard to get an interview with Macaulay Culkin. They should have made him be the actual kid at the end mm. who's running around the house. <laughs> I, I also felt, and I really do like James A. Custer, but I don't know if you agree that he felt a little bit wrong for this. When they were doing the, the run-through at the end, he didn't seem to have that enthusiasm about, you know, catching Kevin. Does that make sense? His sort of comic demeanour is quite almost like very laid back, isn't it? And and this, I think he has to be quite enthusiastic for what they're doing. 
yeah he's not a tv presenter he's a like a stand-up comedian mm. i've never seen him like present anything before and similar with gus khan actually mm. he's not really a presenter and they're not a double act usually they've no. just been sort of thrown together for yeah. this um feels very that... much like a, a gig for both of them doesn't it whereas alex booker this seems like something he wants to do this feels yeah. like something their agents have said would you like to do this yeah, one thing that really didn't work, and which within the episode, James Acaster acknowledges that it doesn't mm. work, but it's in there anyway, is the pizza delivery yeah. prank. It just feels a bit like mean like and I think you can tell by James Acaster's like behavior like I because I really like James Acaster. I listen to a lot of his mm. podcasts that he does, you know, interviews that he's done. And I just know that he would have absolutely hated doing that because it's really cringe and it involves members of the public pranking people. And literally within the episode, he's like, this isn't working. I'm hating this. And they've just <laughs> left it in anyway. I feel like they should have cut that prank because uh, it is quite different tonally from the rest mm. of the show. And again, that's another element, isn't it? That's almost like a sort of Beatles about type thing, isn't it? Or an Anton Deck yeah. undercover. I think, at least though, with Gus Khan, he, he is an actor as well. And I think you need that element of sort of acting, don't you, at the end, which Acaster doesn't have. I think that spoils it a little bit. I think the whole like Mythbusters, it reminds me a bit of like Brainiac and things like that. Like, you know, we're in this little yard almost and we've got this makeshift house. The sort of the end bit didn't sort of hit maybe as much as they wanted but again you know I agree Sophie that you know if you've got if you've got it on in the background maybe it'll sort of put you in the festive mood there's a lot of filler in here as um, Mo said as well with the kids watching the film I'm assuming Sky have got the rights to this and are showing it non-stop on their movie channels yeah it is one of those things I just thought try and find something a little bit festive um, to sort of add to the the sort of inside number nine and I hate Susie specials here. But yeah, this will be on um, Sky and Now by the time you hear this podcast. So that is another one in the books and our last one before Christmas. So thank you very much to Sophie and Mo. Would you like to just tell people where they can find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter at it's Sophie Davis. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Dr. Mo uh, 77 and you can find me on hive and mastodon and dr mo <laughs> yeah i did create a mastodon account when everyone was doing that so i do have one of those if people want to follow me on there but i haven't posted anything i don't have a mastodon i'm at matt's tv bites um on twitter while it's still there at uh custard tv pod is the podcast twitter and luke is at luke custard tv uh, we are at thecustardtv.com and if you would like to join us on the podcast, uh, please just drop us a DM or you can email custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Uh, we should be doing a podcast on the shows that are between uh, Christmas and New Year, which includes Vicky McClure in Without Sin and Martin Constant in Mayflies. But we also have our uh, Best of the Year show where we will run down both mine and Luke's favourite shows and the sort of mega list of all our contributors, including Sophie and Mo. That will be with you before the end of the year. So uh, until then, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Ho, ho, ho. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.